Ananda. How's it going, everyone? On today's episode, I am going solo for the recording today.、Um, Jessie is on her final leg of editing her next book. So she has been busy working on that. I'm usually really uncomfortable doing these recordings just by myself. I don't like my own voice, and my voice is still recovering from COVID, as you can hear. So, apology ahead if you hear me <coughs> clearing my throat. And also, I don't like listening to my own voice. Did I mention that? Yes, I did.、Um, after the recording, I have to listen, it, listen to it for the editing and final polishing. I'm actually really envious of those people who could just do a continuous monologue for a long time without a break. I take longer time to usually process things in my head, and sometimes my mind just goes blank.、Um, having short attention span is <clears throat> not easy to stay with myself for a long time. Hence, I prefer to have someone like Jessie to bounce ideas and comments in the conversation with me, which will keep my、uh, keep me away from other distractions.、Uh, but I thought that there are things that I wanted to share with our listeners, and since I have a bit of time today, why not just challenge myself and do a one-person episode today? Anyway, so Australia is now officially entering summer, and I believe it will be 31 degrees today、um, Celsius. Of course, that's how we use our、um, thermometers. How we read our thermometers in Australia. And tomorrow we'll reach the scorching 39 degrees. Oh, where I believe some places will reach a horrible 42 degrees. Not exactly looking forward to it.、Um, I am planning to see a movie during the day, and perhaps take my dogs to the beach for a run in the evening when it gets cooler.、Um, so、what are you doing? What do you do during a hot day? Do you keep yourself at home and have the aircon warm? If you're lucky enough to have an aircon, or do you go out and enjoy the hot weather? Um, only recently, I realized how YouTube can be really addictive. I know I'm very late to this. I'm usually quite self-disciplined that I don't watch a lot of YouTube videos. But in recent weeks, I've been watching、um, Japanese high school dance championships. So this high school, Tomioka High School. Um, back in 2017, they had this viral video of da- their dance club performing a dance piece with the 80s theme.、Um, it reminded me of how our mother used to dress in the 80s and the early 90s. <clears throat> you know, the very vibrant coloured business suits with huge shoulder pads, tight skirt, and massive perm hair. Maybe you will wonder how I got into watching <clears throat> these videos of the high school dance clubs. So it had just happened that、um, one of my 
kid was humming a specific tune and it reminded me of the 80s music that this high school dance club used for their choreography. And sometimes you just feel nostalgic even so that the dance work is only probably five or six years old. Anyway, so one thing leads to another. I end up watching a lot of Japanese high school's dance clubs videos. You know how it is. YouTube just continue to recommend you videos after video. And before you knew it, um, you came across this latest Japanese dance group. So um, this new dance group that I saw was called, is called uh, Avangardi, which is a dance group that is currently very going viral in Taiwan and Japan. Um, so contrast to other dance groups who might have, you know, one type of dance outfit, have different hairstyles and variable colors, etc. Avangardi's members all wear the same outfit, which is, I believe, a kind of Japanese school's uniform. And all the dance members sports with the same hairstyle, which is black bob card with fringe for many Asians we call it like bowl card or the watermelon hairstyle I've only found out a little later that the dancers were some of the some of the dancers actually wear wigs when they perform so it's not all the dancers that have their hair like that <clears throat> so even Gardi uh, raced to fame after performing I think it was on Japan's Got Talent and later America's Got Talent so their choreography is rather quirky mixed with a lot of humor a bit of acting and a lot of emotional facial expressions as well I guess that's how they stood um, stood out amongst other performers um the dance group was recently invited to Taiwan to record a Lunar New Year special TV program. So we won't be really seeing the recording, recorded performance until next year. But the group had been going around Taipei and doing something like flash mobs, dances around iconic sites in Taipei. So the dances are quite contemporary hip-hop and very entertaining um i think while i was watching these videos it got me thinking about collective collectivism versus individualism you know how we might have mentioned earlier in our other episodes you know the uh, differences of the culture between the east and the west um both japanese dances and maybe the more popular ones like the ones um performers of k-pop seems to have a better synchronization and consistencies than some of the western western performers well obviously that is on my own bias i'm not saying that it is better or anything but i guess that's a characteristics that makes them st- stood out and the brilliance of the performance is something hard to su- surpass i think So on to my cultural consumption for the past few weeks um, that I failed to mention in the previous episode. Firstly, um, I want to recommend a novel which is called A Pile of Oysters. Um, this is a novel by Vern Schneider. It's a rather 
would I call it ancient novel because it was published uh, in back in the 1950s. Uh, the story is set in the Taiwan's White Terror era. You might consider that it might be a bit strange reading a, a white author's perspective, but this was actually a, quite a popular novel until it was banned very quickly um, once it was published. So the book tells a tragic story of three young Chinese people who became who become involved with an American journalist. Uh, the protagonist is, is named Ralph Barton, um, who is actually quite sympathetic to the Chinese people and deeply critical of Kuomintang, which is the Nationalist Party back in the 50s. So in the novel, the American journalist Barton was in Taiwan during the late 40s uh, writing the sort of like investigative reports of the post-war Taiwan society. And he came across with the locals who struggles with the authoritarian of the Nationalist Party and their struggles with the poverty. Um, A pile of oysters was suppressed in the 1950s before gaining a new life after the end of martial law in Taiwan. Um, on the release of the book, uh, it actually received quite positive, quite a lot of positive critical reviews, but banned in Taiwan and was attacked by the China lobby in the United States. One academic uh, familiar with the impact of the book commented in 2003 that the copies of A Pile of Oysters have disappeared from most libraries, probably on instructions issued to the students' spies paid by the Nationalist Party, KMT, to monitor tinies on the U.S. college campuses. This is somehow a part of history that had been actively erased into the change of government in the early 90s in Taiwan. KMT had been in power since the late 40s after the occupation of Japan in Taiwan and had caused so much trauma for many Taiwanese. Um, many political activists who were against the KMT regime escaped overseas, you know, mostly to the US, had subjected to surveillance and even mysteriously murdered. This is the part of history that I have only beginning to recognize, you know, after digging into a lot of tragic history that many Taiwanese ex- had experienced. And being a Taiwanese myself, growing up with parents and even grandparents who pretty much just refused to talk about the history. It was hard for them, I believe. And, you know, I really wanted to know what had happened. Um, Only, you know, back in the 90s, when the change of government had begun to take in place and acknowledge the past, books such as A Pile of Oysters, and other novels, um, one of the novels that I will mention in maybe in our next year's episode, the eulogy of Sweet Potato, um, and also a lot of historical records of white terror started to emerge. And I think it is 
really important to understand the history, you know, in order to ensure that those tragedies don't repeat itself. I'd like to mention today is a 2020 Chinese film called Your Name Engraved with Herein. It is directed by Liu Guanghui. The film is based on the real events of director Liu's high school life. It depicts a love story that starts in 1987 between the two male high school students in Taiwan. So for those who doesn't know, 1987 was the year that Taiwan formally ended its martial law period. So one of the male students tries to confess his sexuality to his priest, um, I think it's a Christian school, but receives no blessing. And the other male student hides, hides his feeling and eventually settles down with a woman which happens uh, with a lot of gay guys in Taiwan and perhaps, you know, the ones who are coming from a very conservative society and family dynamics just doesn't allow them to come out of the closet. So the, and then later the story jumps um, 20 years forward to Canada where the choir revolution is underwear and then two lovers can finally reveal their true feelings. Um, I have mentioned in our previous episode uh, that I came across with uh, some Westerners that they do not know that Taiwan is the only Asian country that legalized same-sex marriage. And it is a really recent, you know, it only happened in 2019. Um, The first place in Asia to do so had caused people to rush to registry offices across the island to register their um, marriage, you know, to declare their love. Um, hopefully you could clear ways to more LGBT films. Um, my own perception of, of the film is that it is rather poignant and dark. I think Taiwan, not Australia, I think Taiwan is still progressing through a period where most queer genre view, films has a narrative of struggles and pain and even so that on surface we might see that the diversity of gender representation is becoming more acknowledged but the story still hangs around the narratives or historical struggles and the society unacceptance in the past. Um, personally I am keen to see more positive and light-hearted stories um, you know, BL comics are becoming more popular in Taiwan now, so hopefully that could kind of a, will pivot towards a bit more positive lens and more positive stories. It is rather an short episode today because it is again a solo recording by myself. Um, so remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google and Apple and give us the 5 star rating if you'd like to support us. What we do here at Asian Beaches Down Under, head to Buy Me Coffee page and make a donation for us to continue the intersectionality in the podcast industry. And remember to check, us, check out our Instagram page for updates 
So finally, stay cool, stay hydrated, and we'll chat to you next time. Bye.